Hey, y'all, before we get started, if you are enjoying this podcast, if you've listened to several episodes and have learned anything, if you'll do me a favor, take a screenshot and share this with someone who is a newbie in your life, who's interested in NFTs, but might feel overwhelmed. We want to get this education into the hands as many or the ears as many people as we can. So if you'll do me a favor and share this with one person in your life who you know would enjoy this content and have some fun learning about NFTs, we definitely appreciate it. Let's get into the show. Friends, I got a DM in Discord and I didn't know how to answer it. I didn't know that this was something that happened, but apparently it's a thing where NFT project leaders can change the secondary sales after the fact. And apparently it's screwing some people overs. We have somebody who's going to give us all the alpha right now. Look, are you interested in investing or collecting NFTs, but are overwhelmed with all the information? Heather and I were true, true NFT newbies. We're gonna break it down as we're learning, as we wander unafraid into the world of digital art. Listen, y'all, we're gonna cure you of your FOMO, mildly educate you and give our unqualified opinions and hopefully have a lot of laughs along the way. Hey, y'all, welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to have my friend Phil here who has been in the NFT space for a minute. There's some crazy stories about how he's got an ape in the background. He's a teacher. He has a new baby. His hands are full, lots going on, but he has been dedicated to uh, helping newbies out in this NFT landscape. And when I got this question, Phil, in Discord, I think I immediately emailed you because I was like, he would know the answer to this. And show enough, you did. So thank you so much for taking time uh, to come on today's show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, busy is like a word that I I thought I knew what that meant. And then you have two kids and you try to get into NFTs. And as we know, NFTs are 24-7. And all of a sudden, I, I have a new definition of busy. So I'm very, very thankful that we are able to carve out this time. So yeah, secondary sales. It's such an interesting topic because as an artist, and in NFTs, I think that's actually one of the most wonderful parts about NFTs because I am a musician at heart and I grew up in an artistic household. So, I mean, you could literally name anybody from my mom's side of the family. They all did something. It could be visual. I've got people that work in the, the radio industry. I mean, it's kind of everywhere. And so when I got into NFTs early 2021, one of the things that drew me in was the thought that an artist could legitimately make a real living forever. If they were good enough, they got seen by the right people, and they had multiple secondary sales because you're always curing that ETH um, every single time somebody sells it. Can I just say one thing real quick? Sometimes we assume everyone knows everything, uh, and I just want to make sure. So if this is like you guys listening for the first time, when we're talking about secondary sales, let's just imagine Phil mints his collection. He puts it on the blockchain. Heather buys one. Heather's done with it for whatever reason. She's like, you know what? Now it's worth this much. I'm going to go get me some new Jimmy Choo's or some shit. So then I buy it from Heather. That is a secondary sale. And what he's referring to is he gets like a royalty off that or a commission, however you want to look at it in perpetuity. That's why he said forever earlier that every time it changes hands or wallet, so to speak, he gets a cut. And Phil, you determine how much that is, right? Yeah. And so typically I would say at least at the beginning, I feel like percentage was around like 2.5 to 5. That was pretty industry standard at the beginning. Now you see, actually, you see it higher. 7.5 seems to be norm and even 10%, which feels 
hefty. And if you're uh, selling on OpenSea, which is, I always describe it to, you know, my friends that aren't in NFTs is it's kind of like Amazon or eBay. It's the place you're going to go, the marketplace to buy any NFT that's available via OpenSea. And so OpenSea allows you to do it up to 10%, which is great. Like, again, if you're an artist, you should be able to set your secondary. I think that does play a role in what people buy, though, because until you're actually well known, if I go ahead, my stick figures, and I say 10% on secondary, there's a good chance I don't sell well unless it's really dirt cheap. And so, again, it's, it's beautiful. So if you think it just at $100, I'll just use USD because that's easy to explain. So $100, and I sell it 10 times, and I had it at 10%. Well, all of a sudden, I just made an extra $100. I didn't do anything extra. Well, maybe I did because I continued to create art. I continued to build a community, and people wanted to buy my art. But I didn't create another piece. And that's every single time. And so that, that again, was like, it, it just drew me in because typically, real world, quote unquote, real world, you make a painting, a physical painting, you sell it for, let's just say $100 again. And then I blow up, I become really popular, because my stick figures are just fire. And in five years, it's sold for $10,000. Well, I just made the $100, nothing else. And so, yeah, sure, I've created more works and I'm sure they've gone for more pricing or higher pricing, but I think it's wonderful that an artist can continue to see that ETH or USD or APE token maybe eventually that they're able to, to get forever. And so, yes, the secondary uh, fee, secondary sale fee is definitely chosen by the artist when you um, create it on OpenSea. I've actually done that myself. I've listed one. It wasn't my art because my art is terrible. It was somebody else's. And and I remember going through that process and being able to pick what the secondary fee was for that. But that can be changed. Yes, it can be. And that's where the issue is. It can be. It absolutely can be. I'm going to recall a, I'm in Twitter spaces all the time. I probably spend entirely too much time there, but I remember one probably about two months ago where, and it was a large space, and they were talking to an artist that was not well known, but then all of a sudden they like, again, naturally, if you have a large crowd and you bring up an artist, all of a sudden people start buying them. And I think they like sold out their collection or something. And the percentage fee was like, I want to say it was like 2% or 2.5. It was, it was low. And everybody in the space said, so-and-so, I don't remember the person's name, that doesn't matter. So-and-so, you should really think about upping that secondary fee because we want to make sure that you're, you know, you're making it on all of these secondary sales. And so they they were able to go in, and this was a one of one artist, they were able to go in and change it to, I don't even know, 5%, 7%, whatever it was. And so yeah, you can do that. But if, if you ask me, that's super shitty. Because if I buy into your collection, and I'm going to say more so on the like the large collections, the 10k, the 5k, 7k, if I buy in, I do like to know what the secondary is, especially for those of us that are getting into the NFT space to make a little bit of ETH flipping. And flipping, by the way, it sometimes get a, it gets a negative connotation, but you actually need those people that want to buy an NFT and then sell it within 24 hours, 48 hours a week, because that's actually what drives the market. I don't really flip a lot, but I do occasionally. And so if I know that this person that's created a project before is known for changing the secondary fee after they sell out. Maybe they say it's, oh, it's no fees at all. It's free. You got no secondary sales or secondary fee. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So every single time I sell it, I'm getting all of it minus the OpenSea 2.5%. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, a week later, it's 10%. Well, that just that you just cut a large share of my basically my revenue that I was planning on potentially making after minting 20 of your project. So I, th- I think it's unethical. And, and the th- sad thing is like, they don't have an obligation to tell you. No, they don't. They don't. But you had an obligation to deliver a good product or a good community or make sure your Discord's straight and all that. But like that could easily, I think, cause a riff. I mean, that's a one-on-one we're talking about. But let's just say it was a community. Yeah. Or not a community, but a, a collection collection. Like, dude, I could just imagine Discord like going on fire being like, dude, like, are you nuts? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I would be right there with them too. Because that's just, mm-hmm. to me, it's super shady. I think the only outlier would be if you, let's say part of your roadmap was really focused on giving back. You had a a cause that you were, let's just say, save the music in schools, because I have a heart for that. And you realized quickly that you set your percentage at 1%. And you're like, well, man, you know, our pricing was really low. Our and, and, you know, maybe it's within a week. I think it had to be kind of quick. And then you go to your community and say, hey, Project Phil's Doodles, we're going to up the percentage to 5%. And the reason is we're going to use that 4% that we're adding to go directly to this fund for saving music in public schools. I think that'd be different. Now, that's a very, very specific situation. But I would also leave it up to the community. Like, even, even though that's like a, I would say, a legitimate reason, if I was the person in charge and I have consulted with projects, probably about seven or so, if they came to me and asked, I'd say, you have to go to your community. You got to have a Twitter space. You got to have a Discord AMA. You got to give it a vote, a legitimate vote for anyone that holds that token because there's a chance that it fails. And then that's fine. And then you got to figure out a different way to get more funding to whatever you're, you're trying to build or, or give back to. Hey guys, we're going to take a really quick break to let you know about a course that I went through that I really loved and it's called NFTs Simplified. Now, this is from Sean Spacey who came out with this really short, easy to digest NFT course to help brand new newbies learn the how and why behind NFTs, how to buy NFTs, what in the world is minting phase, secondary market, a little bit about security. I originally connected with Sean because I loved his graphics and the way that he was able to draw out and literally simplify this whole NFT game. And even being in the space for quite a while and understanding some of these basic concepts when I went through the course, I just loved it and actually learned some things. It's linked up in the show notes. It's NFTs simplified and it's only 19 bucks. So click over there, grab the course. If you're like me and you need to see things visually drawn out, Sean's going to help you out. Again, that is NFTs Simplified. So this DM that I got, I'm going to share part of it. They asked to be kept anonymous. I don't know if this is um, unique to this situation or this kind of crap happens. I'd just like to get your feedback and the implications here. But apparently in this particular project, they had an experience where the royalties were set at a certain percentage and then the develop the creator development team decided to up it, doubled, for anyone that lists below 0.03 soul as a punishment for listing so low. And they also threatened to raise it higher if that didn't work. Is that normal, Phil? Can people do crap like that? And what are, what are the implications there? You can. Um, I'll say 
not even changing the secondary sales. If we just take that part out, we'll just say that they don't change it. They keep it the same. Even like threatening your community with how you list it. Like, yeah, that's, that's absurd. I don't know what person thinks that's going to help their project because if I'm in there, to be honest, I don't give a shit. I'll just dump that for nothing. I'll take a loss and I'll just get out of the project because that's like, that's silly. And I've seen that done. I've seen that happen. So that's a normal thing. What Hitler took. I, I don't know about changing the secondary, pressuring people to put it at a certain price. Absolutely. You'll see that all the time. And uh, to me, if I see that right after a sellout, that's a massive bearish signal to me. Because what it tells me is most of the people in there actually don't care about the project at all. And lots of times, this is coming from the community perspective. So people that bought and have the token, the NFT, they'll come in and say, oh my gosh, we're going to one ETH floor. Nobody list under one ETH. And they'll just like, that's yep. the, that's all the conversation is. You like go into the Discord, you're scrolling. It's like 80% of it is list at one ETH or higher, or you're a paper hand. It's like, I do not want to be there because what's going to happen and, and I'm not I'm taking out the developer doing that's even crazier. But if you see that, what it tells me is when it doesn't get to one ETH, because it probably won't, if we're being honest, when it doesn't, they're going to be the fastest people to crush the floor. Because once they realize in that moment that their tactic of getting everyone to list at one ETH and they're not selling for one ETH, when they realize that's not going to happen, they're simply going to get out at the below the floor. They will undercut guaranteed. Meaning they're gonna they're gonna price it lower than the very lowest priced item, and they will go on to the next one, and they'll do the same tactic, and then they'll they'll continue to go through it, and then hope that they hit one big. Now, the developer saying we are going to change the secondary fee if you do that, that's that's actually a hundred times crazier. Totally, man. Like I can't even imagine. It's like imagine if someone bought a car from you or something, a used car, you know, and then you're like, dude, why are you driving it like that? Yeah. Like, like, why are you putting that type of gas in it? It's it's kind of ridiculous. But one thing I wanted to mention about crushing the floor, or for those people, I feel, and this is this is me showing my I'm still a newbie here. I feel like that tactic happens when someone has. Of a bunch of that NFT, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like ten plus or something. Versus if I just had one, like, dude, I'm not gonna push it that hard. Who gives a shit? It's just one NFT. Yeah. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. Those people that are gonna be saying, you know, paper hands list below one ETH. Um, those people probably mass minted because again, they're going to if it get if it happens to work and it goes up to whatever point nine, even point nine, they're probably pulling the ripcord and listing all of them at point eight nine whatever they have, 20, 30, 50, whatever it is. Yep. Welcome to NFTs. <laughs> Who wants to get in? Yeah. So this is what I heard you say today. Make sure I'm not missing anything. Royalties are awesome for artists. Um, you said the standard-ish was, you said 2.5? Yeah, it was 2.5 to 5% at the beginning. To 5% that was pretty at the standard. beginning. Um, that's pretty standard. If you decide to change those royalties, just make sure that you're communicating with your audience and have a really good reason why you're doing it, just being upfront and transparent. And there are people out there who can shift it and adjust it, like the person who sent us a DM. And those are just some red flags and crappy things that people do out there. Is there anything else I missed that you think is important to this? If you see that and you're part of a community that's doing that, it's going to suck, but you need to get out as soon as you can because um, more than likely that floor is not going to go up and it's probably actually going to go the opposite way. It's going to continue to crater because people are going to feel that pressure. And uh, and so sometimes like an NFT is 
I, I really don't flip, but at some point you have to realize when it's time to either put it in the hidden folder and forget about it forever or, or just sell it for a loss. And yeah. sometimes that's the best thing to do and just get out and because it, it's going to cause you a headache. That's what it's going to do. It's going to actually cause more stress to you in the NFT space that already is basically 24 hours of stress and thinking you missed out on something. So why not cut it out and move forward? I was watching um, one of my mentors uh, has a really great YouTube channel. And they're like the difference between business and investing that they were trying to make a correlation, like how you operate in business, those values don't transcend into investing in, in business. You're in the business all the time. You're working super hard. You're doing all these things and it's taking a ton of your time. So like on the investing side, if it's taking up all of your time, you're doing it wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're paying yes. attention that much all the time, especially if like you just bought that thing, like then you're probably doing it wrong. Like, all the most successful people have not had just like these all of a sudden skyrocket to the moon type gains. Like it's just over time. And like you said, like maybe putting it in your hidden or whatever and just kind of forgetting it and see what happens. Like you'll be surprised that all the stress you, if Heather, if Heather is in her wallet every day or looking around every day and I don't touch it and we arrive at the same point in 20 years, but I was like never looking at it. Like I will be very, very, you know, happy with myself that I did not go through all the stress and craziness that she did just to get there. Yes, that's how I feel about NFTs. And actually, I'll even say crypto. And that might be because I'm too much of an idiot to like day trade ETH. There's probably some like legitimate people that are doing that and, and extremely successful. For me, my peace of mind, if I'm looking at a freaking ETH chart, literally the entire day, and I'm looking at the board a floor, which I'm not planning on selling the one in my profile picture, like, I would go legitimately insane. I'm already feeling high stressed and I'm in a, I would say I'm in a very good position. I'm already feeling stressed. If I'm looking at that, um, I'll end up just leaving. Like that's what will happen for me. So I would say set it and forget it. If you believe in the NFT project you're in, if you believe in the crypto that you have and hold, that doesn't mean you just have to like not care what they're doing. You should obviously pay attention to announcements, pay attention to big moving things. But if you're holding it because you believe in it long-term and I'm talking years, not a week, not a month, then I think, I think just holding it and, and being part of the community is the absolute best tactic and try not to look at the floor because otherwise it can stress you out. And then all of a sudden you, you sell it. I'll use the board ape really quickly. They, they dropped the token within 24 hours. The floor went from 112 ish to like 75 ETH. Do you think those people that sold for 75 right now, as we sit here on the floors at 109, do you think they're happy that they, they got out and got the token and they said, oh my God, this is going to crater and then sold it for 75? They're probably not that happy that they did that, but it's because I'm sure they felt like this floor is going to go lower because now people have taken their ape token, they're happy, they'll sell it for another massive win and then they'll be out. And that didn't happen. Like it, it recorrected. Now that's not all the time, but like if you believe in a project long term, You've got to think way further than we can even imagine. Word. That's me clapping. <laughs> Snaps. Snaps. Uh, are we doing a random question? Yeah, let's do it, man. Oh, for the random question, which is a very important part of the show, Phil, please tell us what you're most pumped about right now and where people can connect with you. Yes. Most pumped about a platform that I've been working on with a group of friends for, gosh, it's been like six months. It's called Wendrop.io. We are live currently. You can check out the website. It is in its first iteration, but what I can tell you is we have an updated design that is absolutely fire. When I saw the the first, or I, sh I should say the updates, I actually almost fell out of my chair because it was so much better. And so when you look at our site now, yeah. actually this is the updated version. Ooh. I'm giving you some alpha. 
The original one is very basic. It's we again, we were trying to get feedback. Um, this is updated. This is on a test uh, network. You can see on the right side, those are notifications. I know obviously this is a podcast, but we've got a notification system that will basically update you directly on the site. If there's a free mint, if there's a discord that's compromised, we've got gosh, content up the wazoo and we're continuing to do that more and more of that. We have the best calendar daily calendar in the space. Uh, that's no cap. As the kids would say, if you want to check out, obviously, uh, you know, a discord, a website, uh, their Twitter, you can see that latest projects we're going to have profiles as well to projects so that you can check that out we have a rarity rankings our own so it's going to be when rarity where you can you can come and check out how rare your thing is this is the newest tool we've got a wallet watcher as well and what will happen there is that you will be able to actually you can actually track specific wallets you'll be able to set it up for you yourself so if you want to see when fleur sells and what he's selling and at what price you will see it all and so, it, again, this this updated version is going to be pushed, I would say, probably within the next 10 days. We just had a meeting last night. And at the thesis of what we're doing and why I'm so excited about it is we are about collaborating together. So it's like a teach plus learn and building together. And so that means great content, articles, spaces, videos, et cetera. It's a daily calendar. It's tools that can help you navigate the NFT space. And if you are a project, we can also do a deeper dive with you to better fit your project as well as inform people that will buy it. I want to add one thing to that. This is where NFTs for Newbies, this show and uh, what Phil's doing, I think meets perfectly because as you guys know, Rich and I are not in the day in, day out of like individual projects. And so anytime people say like, hey, what do you think about this project? I said, "Can you need to follow Phil on Twitter because this calendar they're building out, they're diving in deep to those individual characteristics of each project, giving them a grade, et cetera. So we're, we're really learning more about like the education web three stuff and kind of business. These are project people. So all our project listeners connect with Phil. As an educator, it just makes too much sense to to not, I mean, if we weren't creating educational material for NFTs, what the heck are we doing? Like I'm a teacher, so like what's my lane? Well, it's education. So we got a random question we do at the end and today I landed on, what food do you cook the most? So I actually am the cook in our house. My wife would say the same thing as well. Gosh, I would say it depends on the season, but the thing I like cooking the most is I like smoking different meats. I'm a tech. I'm a Texan now. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm not. I'm not originally a Texan. I'm from Iowa, but I would say uh, I love doing a good brisket. That's Let's probably go. my favorite thing Let's to cook. Go. Rich, what about you? Me, I do. I do. She, you saw it. I, it's, it's really not cooking. I toast two Eggo waffles. I put peanut butter and jelly on them. I smush the shit out of them together, and then I just destroy it almost every night. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, Brian's the cook in the house too. I like presenting food. Like that's my biggest thing. He cooks it and I love actually like presenting food on a plate and making it look really, really badass and cool. So I'm going to give a weird answer and that's me. What do you like to present the most? Anything with a lot of color. So, um, I want to see a lot of color on a plate. So there needs mm -hmm. to be a lot of different produce and textures and different things. So. My answer probably should be mac and cheese, though, with a two-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> two that's probably actually what I make the you most. You can present some yeah. badass macaroni and cheese, though. A little <laughs> yeah. leaf on the side. <laughs> All right. Well, look, everyone, 
definitely check out Phil, check out the website, check us out. And if you know anyone who could benefit from hearing this, if this is a new concept, if this is new information, then do other people a favor and share the episode with them so they know what's up. You know where to find us on Tuesdays and Thursdays on IG Live at 3 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, our Discord, man. That's how we met Phil in the Discord. So let's meet some other uh, other people and get the community going. Until next time, peace.